I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I I hope that every community passes something like that. We've discussed this on the program a number of times. The idea that protesters would gather and picket in front of the the private residences of certain public servants, uh, certain elected officials. I'm not going to belabor this because we've got another topic here to get to, but it drives me nuts that there are those who would feel that to be an appropriate tactic. All right? Just think for two seconds. You are... You are there making a commotion. You are instilling fear potentially into not only the subject of your ire, but also their loved ones, uh, their spouses, uh, maybe their siblings. Maybe it's a multi-generational home and grandma and grandpa live there as well. And how about the kids? None of them are elected officials. None of them said, hey, yeah, listen, if you've got a problem with me, uh, public, uh, you, you, you can talk to me. No, no, no. N- none of them signed up for that task. And yet you, if you decide to pick at someone's private residence, uh, that's what you are deciding is to instill fear on those who did not ask for it. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. I just get worked up on that one. Uh, I want to talk to you now about something that has uh, unfortunately become uh, an ever-growing reality and a challenge here in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Before, Before the pandemic, millions of Americans took advantage of donations to local uh, food banks across the country. And now with the pandemic and people losing work and getting furloughed, even more people are in need. ABC News reporter Ellen Lopez uh, looked at this story nationwide, uh, gathered some fascinating data, and spent some time uh, specifically in Georgia with these findings. Due to COVID-19, have you lost your job or your house? Uh, My job. 74-year-old Keith Chesterman is one of millions of Americans without enough food to eat ahead of the holidays. Without this, we wouldn't have a Thanksgiving. Feeding America projects more than 50 million Americans will have faced hunger in 2020, up from around 35 million before the pandemic. That's a difference of 15 million. Did the quick math there in my head. Pretty good, huh? Uh, 15 million additional uh, Americans are short on food, are food insecure uh, this season right now. And we often here in Utah... You know, we often find ourselves uh, in, you know, more safeguarded positions than other states. We are we are a strong and resourceful and resilient people here in the state of Utah. But on this front, we are not immune. There are Utahns uh, here who are, as a result of this coronavirus pandemic, finding themselves uh, w- without food to eat. There are children going to bed hungry. And working on the front lines of that effort, uh, in combating that effort of hunger and uh, food insecurity is the president and CEO of Utah Food Bank. Joining, joining me on the line now is Jeanette Bott. Ms. Bott, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Hey, I'm thank gra- you, thank you. I'm, I'm grateful to you for your time here. Uh, our goal here for the next six minutes or so is to do what we can to get food into the bellies of those Utahns who are in need right now. Uh, to do so, let's start by painting a picture of what things look like here in the state of Utah right now. What are you observing? Well, you know, I think what people need to understand, first of all, is, you know, Utah Food Bank doesn't just take care of issues along the Wasatch Front. We're responsible for the entire state of Utah. 
So, you know, we have to step back. We have to make comparisons. We have to look at small communities versus large. We look at rural areas versus urban. And so it's a different landscape clear across the, the state in, in every county. What that does do, though, is present with us issues on how do we distribute food in San Juan County the same way we would in Salt Lake City? How do we be sure that we have a mix of product that's appropriate food for the different cultures and different ethnicities of our communities that, that we're seeing coming to Utah that have, have brought some change to us in the last 10 or so years? You know, how do we how do we help kids, whether they're in school or out of school? So, you know, the problems are not just whether we have cans of food in the warehouse. It's a much broader picture that we are trying to contend with some successes about. And with that then comes the issue of how do we be sure we're reaching everybody and how do we prepare that we can be sustainable to help in the future? Is as that challenge, I, I imagine that's not a new challenge, right? We have had uh, urban and rural settings here in the state of Utah forever. And there have been uh, those unfortunate souls who find themselves uh, you know, without enough food to eat for a, a very long time. Ha- has that unique challenge or has that challenge uh, been amplified in this uh, coronavirus era? Ha- has the needs in the rural areas uh, outweighed or grown at least to, to become larger than it was in the past? How has this year, 2020, and the pandemic impacted that reality? Well, you know, it's changed and it's increased in all of the counties across the state. Of course, some the, the rural counties with smaller population, of course, have had a, had a smaller change or impact. But what we're seeing so much of that's been really a shock to us, regardless of whether it's here in Salt Lake or, or in, a, in an outlying county, so many people who are coming for help are first-time users of services. People have never found themselves in this position before. They've always been able to care for their families and provide what they have needed. And the fact that now they have to go out and find how to find resources of food or to help with their heat or to help with their rent you know it it's really sad because these are these are times and situations that people thought they'd never have to really refer to this kind of help for utahfoodbank.org is the website we're speaking with the president and ceo of utah food bank jeanette bott uh looking at how this year has presented some uh, larger challenges than uh years prior and that's probably an understatement w- w- what has uh this year been in compared to uh, years prior? Well, you know, if we, if, you know, here because of what we do and how we do it, we talk in pounds and we talk in meals. And, you know, for us, <clears throat> there was just such an immediate spike that took place in April. It was just almost overwhelming to see the increase. You know, a normal month for us is maybe a two million pound distribution. You know, starting in April and May and continuing on, it's been almost six million pounds a month. So, you know, the amount of increase was just almost overwhelming. And then to really magnify that problem, all of a sudden we couldn't have volunteers in the warehouse. So, you know, we went from 200 volunteers here on one day to no volunteers the next day. So, you know, how do you adjust? How do you adapt? And then as we looked at these partner agencies and pantries across the state, people couldn't come inside to the pantries then to pick up food. How do we adapt these food and distribution situations where cars can drive through the parking lot and be served you know, by placing food in the trunk and, and social distancing. So there were many facets of things that really added layers of complication, not just whether or not we have food, but how do we be sure we can get the food to the end user? And again, how many of those those end users have had to look for help for the first time? 
like so many uh, organizations, <clears throat> it is a question of input output. You are uh, you are addressing a need that has grown. Uh, how about input? How have donations been this past year in terms of uh, both money and uh, and goods? Well, you know, you, you spoke of it earlier. We're we're really in a fortunate situation to be in Utah, and I say that just because we have such an incredible culture here. Um, you know, we are to your point resilient. We are. A giving community. We take care of those around us. And so people have, have stepped up to help always when we've put out the call for help. What we've seen this year is that all of us kind of started to, to step back and say, okay, what do I have to do for my family? How do I have to prepare for long term? And a lot of people that might have been donating food and products over the, the past, now all of a sudden we're keeping those at home, preparing their own pantries getting ready to care for their families, which they should. Or, or maybe but even then, finding themselves in the same lines of folks that you have served in the past. Exactly. So, you know, we donations are, are coming to us. Um, the holidays for us is, is usually our, our biggest food drive time of the year. Companies and corporations host holiday food drives with employees and neighborhoods do food drives. But, you know, folks are working from home. They're not congregated in an office building or one certain location. So, to do a food drive doesn't work like it has in years past, so we're seeing a huge drop-off in just the food drive process. So we've created a virtual online food drive. You can do it online. You can sign up and create a team or a group, and, and you can give us your money and, and choose from the shopping list of items we need, and then we use our buying power. So we're finding ways to adapt, and people are still helping, but the challenge we have is sustainability. This problem isn't going to go away you know, on New Year's Day. We've got to be ready for the next 12 to 18 months probably to be sure that these families are, are getting what they need to maintain the level of, 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 of you know, to, to suffice what their families are requesting. So right. we know we have a long haul. Well, uh, let's see what we can do to help out. UtahFoodBank.org. Jeanette Bott, President and CEO of Utah Food Bank. My hat is off to you. I admire what you're doing. I know that uh, there are uh, you know, countless thousands of Utahns who are grateful to you for your service and those with whom you work. Thanks again, uh, UtahFoodBank.org. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, I want to talk to you uh, a bit about the physical toll that COVID is taking on us. Not, no, no, not the virus itself. But the isolation and the time away from the workplace, what is it doing to our bodies? What is it doing to the length of time we spend sitting down each day? We'll dig into that next. A little bit of physical fitness with Lee Lonsberry ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.